0: Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa cypress Cayman is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa cypress Cayman is a wide Widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa cypress Kamen.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, ...and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today we're talking about the power of story, and each and every one of us has a unique and wonderful story to tell about our lives, who we are. And the legacy we, wished, we wish to carry on after we are gone. And with me this morning, I have a unique guest who has a very unique way of telling story. Richard Grant is the founder and CEO of Lifetile, an online service which provides users with a simple and secure way to capture, save, and share their most precious memories all in one place. Richard is hugely enthusiastic about his vision and passionately believes that in a world where people are absorbed with capturing the debris of our day to the, uh, the debris of our day-to-day lives, lifestyle can help to change the way people capture and preserve their most precious memories online, creating what's known as a virtual shoebox of those memories to share now to serve as a lasting reminder of one's lifetime of achievements. And it's important to note that Richard was inspired to leave a 20-year career in a large corporation to create Lifetile following the death of his father. He vowed that when he became a dad, he would make sure that he was able to provide his children with a more complete story of their lives. So he created a place where our most precious memories could be brought to life and enjoyed for years to come, generation by generation. He describes his journey as an entrepreneur as the most incredible, exhilarating roller coaster of his life. Richard is married with three kids, and those three kids happen to be three and under. Welcome.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. That's, a, that's quite a, a job description right there, those three kids under three, <laughs> I think.
2: <laughs> it really is, yes. Yeah. Uh, we've got our hands full with them, but they're, they're fantastic. They're great, great fun.
1: Indeed. Um, tell us about Lifetile and how it differs from the traditional or what we've come to know as traditional social media because it's very, very different, the environment that you've created.
2: It is, yeah. I mean, I think there's three things that are fundamentally different. Um, around, because of, through through lifestyle, And the first one is that most of the products and services that are online nowadays are about our throwaway memories and experiences. And you mentioned this earlier at the start of your show. It's about the day-to-day debris of our lives and trying to share everything with everyone. And I think that people are starting to move away from that, starting to think about things that really do matter to them and smaller groups of people. Uh, The other thing I think is really important is that phones and technology nowadays enable us to capture thousands and thousands of images. And yet we don't engage with them. We've all got 5,000 photos on our phone, uh, but we don't look at them. And I remember reading a great story in a psychology magazine that was um, by somebody who said, if we don't actually look at the photos or look at videos, we don't really have a memory. We don't really engage with those. And so although technology and the development of technology is fantastic it does create a risk of losing our memories. And the third thing to say is because of the technology, we have a a massive um, spread of of our data and our memories all over the place. And so with Lifestyle, what we do is we capture all of those memories, all of those precious moments with smaller groups of people. And we recognise that there really is a need to capture and save the things that really do matter, not just the throwaway stuff, but the precious memories that we'll look back on in time and think, wow, that, that really is important. We have a strap line that says we all have a story to tell, and I genuinely believe that. I think we have a desire to be loved and to belong and also to leave behind a legacy to our children or our children's children. And so that really is why lifetel is quite different to what's out there right now.
1: What I love about this product, because I have noodled around the website, that's actually how I, I found you, was just by trying to figure out how people are memorializing their stories digitally. And it, it seems to me that, that that Lifetile helps you create or organize and create this digital scrapbook, if you will. Yes. Talk yes, a little exactly. bit about the structure within <clears throat> Lifetile, like how somebody would come into it and work, begin to work with their photos and work with the milestones and timeline of their lives.
2: Well, it's very simple to use, and that's the first thing it has to be. And so you can simply take a photo and then add it to one of your events in your in your lifetime and so what you create is a a a chronology of the events that are in your life and I think that one other element to mention that's really important is the ability to share with different people so for me a lot of these memories are my private personal memories they're kind of an online diary if you like and no one else can see those but there are other things that I want to share with other people my family and my friends and there is an element of public sharing as well so um, hopefully, we'll talk a bit later on about a chap called Brian Bird, who is a, who was a, a Second World War Spitfire pilot, and he was determined to share his story with everybody so that we wouldn't lose that social history. So I think you can create events and you can allocate them to private or shared or public, and and you can very simply add photos. But at the same time, it's not just a photo sharing app. You can add in the memories so what was happening at that time what was so funny about the event or what was so emotional about the event that happened um and and just add a real richness to it so some people have said well isn't that a bit like facebook or isn't that like i've got a file structure on my computer i can do that anyway and i think facebook it's about everything You, you capture everything and they really throw away things like i'm having a bad day today here's a here's a photo of my cat you know that sort of stuff whereas these are the things like the first walk of my of my daughter when she first started to walk or my son Max's first smile, those sorts of things that you just never want to lose those, those precious moments. And so as I as I build that lifestyle, I can then scroll back through my my life and I can see photos of my dad, for example, when he was a few weeks old or photos of me when I played for the school football team, even though I was dreadful. Um, and then more recently, you know, the family, family um, holidays and so on.
1: What I love about Lifetile is that one can create this digital memoir. So it's not just the photos, as you mentioned, but the ability to create almost journal-like entries. So if one were beginning to create a diary, you know, maybe for a teenager, this is, I could see where this would be a great project for school kids to start getting involved with, to journal about those those moments, you know, and because we know that so much of our happiness is also created by memory making, you know, how we remember what has happened, you know, and recalling those memories. And I see there's an opportunity for this greater picture, you know, in the theme of the show of storytelling to come through a lifestyle
2: yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Uh, we've recently had some conversations with um, a university in Ireland, and also a primary school in the UK. Uh, and they've, they've recognised the same thing you've talked about. There's a, there's a way of making our history come alive by telling the stories of our own families. And so we've got a group of 20 digital leaders in a primary school that are going to go away and on a project, they're going to ask questions about where their parents were born or where their grandparents were born. And we live in a world now where people do come from all sorts of places around the world. So by doing those projects, you actually make history come alive because it's about somebody that you know. And you make geography come alive because you're talking about locations around the world. And then you can feed all sorts of things off the back of that, you know, foods and recipes and holidays and all sorts of social um, history that we, we, that we wouldn't have had before. In the past, we'd have written a couple of entries in a little book, and nobody else would have seen that. Now you can capture it on here and you can share it with your colleagues or with your friends. And of course, the idea would be to share it with your families as well.
1: And the notion of a time capsule, you know, the ability to create one's own personal time capsule, and it's, it's stored in perpetuity and it it lives on long after we're gone.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, my, um, I would do anything to have more time with my father. He, he was the driving force behind this, actually, because 15 years ago, when he died, I, I suddenly realised that I had no lasting legacy of his. I didn't know what they did here, my mum did before they had children, or where they went. I didn't know where my dad went to school or what he did before he met my mum, and and I think those things actually that are so precious. And, and I think that what this offers is the opportunity to build this stuff up and to pass it on to future generations. The reason I started Lifetime was that when my father died, I vowed that when I had children, I would make sure they knew about where their parents grew up and what they did with their lives. And so when Chloe turns 14, I'll be able to say to her, look, this is the story of your life so far, and hopefully she will then leverage that for the next generation as well.
1: I love what you just shared, You know that we're curious about uh, where we come from, and I think that is our inherent nature as human beings, that we all want to know the legacy, the history, and then add to it to carry on for generations to come. We are going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, I would love to talk about Brian Bird's story because he's got quite a unique story. And also talk a little bit about yours. What's on your Lifetile and how one could get involved to create one's own lifestyle. To learn more, please visit Lifetile.com. Dot me, On Facebook, that page is Lifetile1, and the Twitter handle is at Lifetile, with the number one, Lifetile1. One. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and my guest today, founder Richard Grant, uh, who is the CEO of Lifetile.me. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back.
0: We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside happiness. adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag what is, Harvesting happiness. What is your happiness. Love to read? Looking to harvest your happiness? Then look no further. Lisa Cypress Kamen is an author of three amazing books that will assist in taking your well-being and self-mastery to the next level. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life offers breakthrough strategies for creating your own personal happiness revolution. Perspectives on Addiction, An Integrated Journey to Wellness is an overview of the recovery process from a multi-stepped perspective and holistic approach of substance abuse. abuse, and lifestyle management. Through her third book, Reintegration Strategies for Depression, Anxiety, Anger, Grief, and Post-Traumatic Stress, offers a own nonsense approach to dealing with post-combat civilian life reintegration issues for veterans and their families. You'll find these books online at Amazon.com and HarvestingHappiness.com.
1: Saturday afternoons on 97.5 joy riding the coast with a global vibe pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind longe? Longe? Mente. Joy riding the coast with me Lisa Cypress Cayman. Saturdays 2 to 5 on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net.
0: Mindful meditative moments are free and relaxing on-the-spot mini staycation journeys designed to calm the mind and soothe the body from the comfort of wherever you are. No reservations or travel required. Check out the playlists on HarvestingHappiness.com and Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about the personal stories that we all have to tell and how we memorialize those stories visually, with our words, with our voices. And with me in the studio is Richard Grant, who is the founder and CEO of Lifetile. And Richard, before the break, we were talking about what Lifetile can do, Um, a little bit about the target audience of Lifetile. And you mentioned some of the projects that you are beginning to work with to be more inclusive of children and children starting to chart their legacies and the value of Lifetile to chronicle the stories of our parents. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what's on your Lifetile?
2: Of course, yes. Well, you said at the start of the show, I, I now have three children, um, and it's the most wonderful... I was, I was adding something to my lifetime last night, actually, um, because my son, my second son, is now 10 weeks old and I was adding the last month of memories of him. And it was, it's just fantastic to, to be able to do that and in one place capture some videos and a few precious photos and also what I was thinking about and how I was feeling about the last month. Because when, when they get to 18 and they say, ''Hey, Dad, what was I like when I was younger?'' I don't want to just have a vanilla answer and say, well, yeah, you were a good kid or, yeah, you were a bit annoying sometimes. I want to be able to dwell on certain things that were really, really amazing about them. So I have lots of stuff about my children on there. Um, I have some memories of schools, of being at school and my holidays as a teenager. I do have a few embarrassing photos, you know, those times when you think that you look really cool and in hindsight (laughs) you realise not at all. Uh, and then the precious stuff is I have some photos of my father and my mum. Perhaps the two most precious things on my lifetime right now are I, I got a letter from my father when he was when he was 60. I did a speech for his birthday and he wrote me a letter to say how proud he was of me. And I don't want to lose that letter ever. So that is scanned and that's on my lifetime and that will not go anywhere else. And I have a photo of him at seven weeks old. And um, yeah, I, I would pay hundreds of pounds for that image because that's the only one that I had. So so those kind of things are on my lifestyle, And then, of course, my daughter's just starting nursery school. We'll start to see her getting school reports. I want to build those things on there as well.
1: And in the old days, uh, this would be something that would be done by scrapbooking, perhaps. And we're now moving into this digital age of storing everything remotely. And I guess that asks the question or begs the question to be asked, what happens to our lifetime when we're gone, and how can they be seen by others?
2: Yeah. L- let me start off by saying as well, wh- one of the things that people are sensitive to in this world is storing stuff online in the cloud. They're very, very worried about the security angle. And I can understand that. There's enough stories out there that, that um, highlight the issues around it. But I still believe it's much more secure than being in a shoebox under the stairs or in the loft. Um so you have two things around this. You have the ability to share it with people. So the, the stuff that you had in your loft is now shared with your friends and family and they can see it. And the second thing is if you had a fire or if something happened or if you just misplaced that, you only have to log on and you'll see it again. So that's that's really crucial, I think. And if this is about our precious memories and for lifetime it is, then we need to make sure that they live on and they're preserved. And so our users and choose to have a next of kin uh, where they can appoint so in my case it's my wife and on my death they would provide she would provide a um, a death certificate which confirms that I've died but it also then kicks into action what my requests are for Lifetile and it's a pretty morbid topic but I'm much happier having organized it than find it I didn't have a chance to do so. So with all of my events on Lifetile The things that are currently private would then get shared on my death. So my children would see all the things that I've written about them and all of these really raw emotions um, and this overwhelming love that I feel for my children. They would see all that, which I think is crucial. But my public stuff would be deleted because I don't want that stuff to live on forever. So giving people choice over what happens to their content, if it's really precious stuff, is really important. And I can also add my final post as well. So, again, not a great topic, but, but having the ability to write something that is coming from me if I were to die, I think that's really important.
1: I agree. Tell, tell the story of this young man, Brian Bird, and what he had or wanted to tell the world. Yeah.
2: Yes. So young young Brian Bird, who, who is 90, well, actually, I must say he died um, just a few weeks ago. But young Brian Bird, um, one of the most incredible men I've ever met. Um, I met him at the centenary of the Second World War. And um, he was doing a, he was standing up in front of a spitfire that he used to fly in Italy in the Second World War. And His concern was that he had these most incredible memories but had nowhere to store them and was worried that, you know, in later life he would lose those memories and his family wouldn't know what he did. So I spent many days with Brian in his old people's home on the south coast of England building up his life story. Uh, I mean, incredible memories about when he first flew a Spitfire at the age of 19 in Italy uh, or about the Battle of Britain or that his nanny went on to become the nanny to Winston Churchill's children. Um, really amazing things that come alive when you talk to him and you see this, I mean, a smile that would light up the world and this intellect and energy and passion that came through from him. And so because of that, the story resonated with so many people and and the BBC in the UK, BBC Click, featured a film about him and, of course, how we've captured his story on Lifetile. Um, Brian did die soon after the film was made at the age of 90, but actually... I think what's so good about the whole story is that we captured his story, and I know that his family were delighted to have um had all that story captured so that it wasn't lost and it is preserved from now on.
1: Can you describe your target audience? We spoke a little bit about it it being used in schools and uh being projects for young people to get involved with but there there it really is for anybody, I would think, and how do you market um to people? to get involved
2: yeah Um it, it does feel like it applies to everybody and, and I've talked to 10 year olds up to as you just heard 90 year olds and they buy into the concept they get it but actually I think I think you need to be more focused on that and there are two audiences I would say there's a 30 plus audience and these are people that are just going through big events in their lives so they might be moving home settling down getting married having children or indeed facing death for the first time in their family. So they're suddenly having triggers where they think, I don't want to lose the feeling that I've got right now. I don't want to miss capturing those amazing memories of my wedding or my my daughter being born, for example. And then there's another group, a secondary audience, which are um, 60 plus, I would say, the silver surfer, new grandparents kind of area. These are people that are technologically savvy. They know how this stuff works. They've probably got Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts, but they also want to store things because they know how precious those memories are. They might have grandchildren they want to start taking photos of and they suddenly realize I'm not going to be around forever. I want to have this stuff and I want to make sure that I have a legacy that I give I give to people.
1: This is quite Beautiful. In my mind's eye, I'm I'm imagining telling my own story and, and from a multimedia, multi-layered perspective. And I think that what I love about what you shared about A, what's on your own lifetime and what lifetime can do is the the selectivity of how it is shared. And then when we are gone, the Sort of the day, to the instant. What I heard you say was the day-to-day, day or the instant moments are wiped out, and really, it's the it's it's the deep meaning and the deep content that remains.
2: Exactly, exactly. If you looked at your, I haven't checked your Twitter feed, Lisa, so I may be wrong. But if I looked at your Twitter, feed, I would imagine that there wouldn't be the precious memories that you want to keep, and probably not on Facebook either. But there must be a place where you do want to look back and go if these if you look back on the last ten years of your life, those are the things that you want to preserve, and that's what we do. The biggest issue I think we have is that most people don't realize they have this problem until it's too late. so lifestyle started because I lost my dad and I suddenly realized i've got I've got nothing to show for it and it's a really heartbreaking moment, but people don't know that until that's happened, and that's the challenge for us is to to make people recognize and see. They don't want this to be the case. So, so get there early. Start building the life story now so that it's not, it's not too late.
1: And the life story involves asking the questions and accessing the feelings.
2: Yes, it does. So there's a not little
1: bit here. of digging, digging, digging deep within
2: ourselves. There is. Uh, and you know what? It, some people say, well, oh, that sounds like a really arduous task. Well, sometimes it is, actually. I mean, if you invest time and energy in something, it's got to be worthwhile doing. So, yes, it's very easy to put something that's 140 characters long or to add a quick photo and post it. But it's a bit harder and far more rewarding to capture the stuff where you think, I'm so pleased I've got that stuff. I'm so pleased I've organised that stuff. And that's what we're tapping into.
1: I have, for my children's lives, I was pretty good when they were young about documenting most of the milestones of their first few years. And then life gets busy, you know, and we become uh, less focused on that and more focused on the doing of life. And this what I like about this is it sort of forces us to slow down and reflect on the being in life.
2: Absolutely right absolutely right what one of the things that i think is so important and if it was it was a, a kind of a lasting message i'd want to give is we're not suggesting people shouldn't try and keep up with everything that's going on we live in a very fast paced world everything's changing rapidly all i'm suggesting is that there's a time and a place when you can pause reflect and look back on the unfolding story of our lives because actually that is when you look back and go actually this this is pretty good life's pretty good and if, we can get, if you get caught up in the day-to-day living, you sometimes lose place and, and lose, lose track of where you are.
1: Yeah, I I, I hear you, and I, and I'm with you. What future features do you plan to release for Lifetile?
2: Well, right now we're focusing on growing the audience, growing the user base. Um, but in future, we have well, we have a, a long, long list of things. I mean, the first thing would be to create an Android version of the app. We have an iPhone version, and we have the website that you've mentioned. Um, music are one of our most evocative memories. So being able to find a way to bring music into our memories would be great. So not only our wed- wedding memories, but our wedding music, for example. And then the relativity of time, I think, is a really interesting idea. So my wife is 13 years younger than me. And we always joke about the fact that when I was at university, she was at kindergarten. Um, <laughs> but having the ability to collide timelines with another person and look back and say, what were we both doing when we were 20 or what were we both doing in 1990? And and then seeing how that relates to one another with our friends and family, I think that would be really interesting.
1: Really interesting. And I have a question, two questions. One is about the ability to replicate what's on If You wanted to gift it to somebody as a as a Hard copy, tangible item. I'm assuming that the technology exists to do that.
2: It does, yeah. So there's there's nothing stopping us to do that except for finding the right partner. So there are plenty of opportunities to do photo sharing and and um, sorry, photo books and so on. We just want to find the right partner to do that with. But that would be absolutely something we'd want to do in time.
1: Well, it's more than just the right partner for the photo books. It's if if one in, uh, engages on a in a multimedia lifestyle. Where you've got the video, where you've got the audio with the music, once you are able to integrate that component, you really can gift someone um, a a DVD that has this... You know, like when I was a kid, I'm going to date myself, it was traditional old-fashioned movie camera. And then it became the vogue to transfer everything into a video cassette. And then all of that was then transferred later to DVDs. We would yes. have the ability to gift that or gift somebody an iPad or something that had that loaded in there. Here, this is for you, mom or dad. Yeah,
2: yeah. You can imagine 25th wedding anniversaries or 18th birthdays. You can suddenly start playing their lifestyle. Um, and having that in the background as you have a party or whatever. It, it, oh, it, yeah. I think that's a great idea.
1: It Well, it, it's um, like the old-fashioned Bar Bat Mitzvah video. You know, this is your life for the first 13 years. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> that's exactly. kind of what I've had to have this vision, you know, but this is much more sophisticated. We are about out of time, and I would love to have you back in, you know, several months' time, come back and share with us so we can support you and helping you grow your community. Um, I really, really appreciate you sharing part of your day with us, knowing that you've got such a busy household at this time
2: (laughs) It's my pleasure, thank you very much for having me on.
1: Oh, thank you Once again, this is Richard Grant, who is the founder and CEO of Lifetile You can learn more by going to www.lifetile.me On Facebook, that page is Lifetile 1, and that is the number 1, and on Facebook as well at Lifetile.1 Here come the tunes, we'll be right back
0: we know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa cypress Cayman. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Cayman, and tweeting us with the hashtag HarvestingHappiness. Remember what it feels like to receive a gift? We all know nothing gives happiness like a present, so you should unwrap yours at harvestinghappiness.com and sign up to receive your free ebook, Got Happiness Now, that offers simple, user friendly ways to get greater happiness in your world each and every day. That's harvestinghappiness.com. Lisa Cypress-Kamen has built an impressive global lifestyle management consulting company offering applied positive psychology, mindfulness, and integrated well-being coaching. Her services including addiction and trauma recovery support as well as life crisis triage are available worldwide through phone, video, and on-site. In addition, Lisa delivers workshops, lectures, and trainings to corporations and institutions and is a frequent guest expert on many prominent radio and TV shows. Connect with us at Harvesting Happiness .com for more information. Harvesting Happiness for Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation offering innovative and integrated stigma free combat recovery services to veterans and their loved ones with programming that focuses on the transformation of post traumatic stress into post traumatic growth using scientifically proven positive psychology coaching tools and strategies that increase self mastery, self awareness, and self esteem to help heal the invisible wounds of war. To make a tax free charitable contribution or to learn more, please visit visit hh4heroes.org. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share it. Why? Because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7. And we are talking about the art of storytelling, creating memories, and sharing them in the digital age. And my next guest is Fee Glover. She is a multi-award-winning broadcaster, writer, and voiceover artist Her current radio programs include Radio 4's landmark series, Listening Projects and Generations Apart. Fee has won Sony Gold and Sony Silver for her shows Saturday Night Live and Broadcasting House on Radio 4. Having been voted the ninth most powerful voice in radio... Fee was recently made a fellow of the Radio Academy. Her work in television included, includes Newsnight, and she is host to BBC One's upcoming 24 Hours in the Past. Welcome, Fee. Hi, Lisa. Good to be with you. Great to have you with us. Let's talk about The Listening Project. And Can you tell us a little bit about the project and what inspired you to, to work on it? Well, we
3: were inspired by something uh, much closer to your home than to ours, Lisa. So uh, we were inspired by the StoryCorps project um, that Mm -hmm. has been running in America for over a decade now, uh, collating these conversations between people who know or care about each other, talking about something that matters to them. So it's a very, very simple concept, and we just picked that up and ran with it in a British way. We allow people to come into the BBC to our studios all around the country and also uh, we've got a mobile booth touring around the country at the moment and we give people up to an hour's opportunity to sit down with someone that they love or know very well and have a conversation where they really talk to each other about things that matter to them and most importantly they really listen to each other telling stories and sharing experiences and memories and having a kind of level of conversation that you don't really have on a day-to-day basis with people that you love. And the resulting conversation, we then turn into a radio program for the BBC, which airs every Sunday. And local radio does the same thing. And we've also created a sound archive at the British Library, where we're storing every single conversation as a record of our times, what we think is important to us, and how we want to talk about our lives.
1: And the concept of listening is so simple, and yet it is such a valuable gift and Having been a listener myself, and I continue to to do a lot of active listening in our community, I understand there's magic that happens. It is
3: magic, Lisa, isn't it? And it is. <laughs> I think it's. Um, it's too easy to say that it's a lost art because I don't think it is at all. But I think what's happened in a world where we're constantly bombarded with messages, and um, is that we think we're hearing lots of things, but we're hearing them, we're not listening as much as we could be. And do you know what? Whenever uh, we take our listening project on tour around the country, we quite often uh, go to places and we play some of the conversations that we've already recorded. And we ask people sitting in the auditorium if it's a theater or a school or a conference hall, we ask them to wear blindfolds, which we provide for them. They're very sexy little things. Uh, They put the blindfolds (laughs) on and we tell people, I'll send you some, they're great, Lisa. Uh, We tell people uh, to not do anything else to just listen. And the point of the blindfolds is to take away that temptation to be, you know, looking down at your mobile phone, checking a text, seeing what's in your handbag, looking at your watch, thinking, oh, isn't that, you know, lady in front, isn't her hair marvelous? You know, all the things that distract us. And people put the blindfolds on and they just listen to two people having a conversation with each other. And I find it every time And by the sounds of things, you do as much listening as I do. I find it an incredibly refreshing thing to do to just listen to somebody telling you something. And that is a different thing to just hearing somebody saying something. Cut out all the other stuff and really listen. It's a very different sensation, I think.
1: It is exquisite. There is an intimacy created in this listening process that is very poignant. And it's, it's, it's not just you know sitting down with a girlfriend or with your mom and having a chat, but when we really sit down to listen and hear what another has to say, you know, I hear you, I get what you're saying, I am placing myself in your shoes as you speak, resonates for many. And I think this is probably why the project has been so successful.
3: Yes, I would agree. And so many people say, um, after they've recorded their conversations, which are usually about kind of 45 minutes long, um, nearly everybody uh, has a sense of joy afterwards because they've either tackled something that they don't usually really manage to tackle in everyday life or they've really shared a memory, you know, bounced it around between each other, you know, kind of celebrated something that they've shared together. Or they've simply had the opportunity to spend three quarters of an hour um, in somebody's company, where nobody's asking you to do anything. You know, there the doesn't have to be an end result to these conversations. It's just really, really good conversation, and and people are surprised by how it makes them feel, and that for us is an absolute delight because obviously we're you know we then make radio programmes out of it so. You know, we cut the conversations down. Uh, you know, quite often we do themed programs. You know, we we use it as we use normal radio content. But at the very heart of the project is this experience, and that's what I think makes it really magical it's something that people never forget doing and in the moment it makes them happy and then afterwards i think it makes them happy in lots of other ways you know people like to keep the cd or they make copies and give it to their family or they enjoy hearing themselves going out on the radio or whatever it is but it's really important to have had that experience of sitting in the studio really taking the time with someone who you love and just doing something a bit different something that you don't really do anymore in everyday life,
1: and this is available to anyone, right? Yes. I mean, it, there's no, there's no specific requirement other than the ability to be able to sit and be present with another of any age. Absolutely,
3: and it's do you know it's, it's very rare that the BBC gives quite such a clean sheet of paper to participants in radio, <laughs> um, and as you well know, making radio and. Um, uh, speech radio loves structure and it loves form. you know it loves working to time and it loves having a lot of stuff in it that 's what makes great speech radio. But we say to people, You can just talk about whatever you like, and it doesn 't matter if it 's banal i don 't think people 's lives are banal to them you know there 's always there 's always an experience that will touch someone else who's who 's listening and Of course, some people do use it to talk about very, very big things. Um, we have found a lot of people wanted to talk about some kind of trauma uh, that's that's happened to them and. Uh, you know, we encourage that as much as we encourage people to simply share memories. But it is absolutely, genuinely up to people what they want to talk about. We have no kind of prescriptive measure. You know, we're not looking for a certain number of conversations about you know PTSD or, you know, certain conversations that have come from Leeds or from Brighton or they have to be with 70 year olds. None of that is going on at all. We are simply opening the doors and saying, you do it your way.
1: And... What I sense from StoryCorps as well as from this listening project is it, we're creating a, an audible time capsule. So 100 years from now, those who are here will be able to really grasp what life was like in, the, in this digital age that is, will be so far advanced 100 years from now.
3: Absolutely. And you know, we've got no idea what that world is going to look like, have we? I mean, if you think about how much change we've all embraced in the last 10 or 20 years, you know, it's impossible to know what the horizon looks like actually to the next generation. And I often think if something like this had been available um, to previous generations, what magic there would have been in being able to hear just the normal conversations. I mean, from, from a British perspective, when we look back to you know, the Roman times in Britain or the Tudors or the Stuarts or our involvement in the First World War. You know, if you could hear more of just what normal people felt was important to them, I think that, you know, that is what brings history to life. So absolutely, the fact that in, you know, three, four hundred years time, people will be able to hear what five-year-olds talked about in Britain on a wet, rainy day sometime, you know, September 2015, I think will be highly entertaining apart from anything else. And I know that StoryCorps feels exactly the same way and they're so far ahead of us. So I think there are 40,000 StoryCorps conversations stored in your American Library of Congress and I think we're probably 2,000 people have taken part in the British Library Sound Archive project here. So, you know, who knows whether we'll grow as big as StoryCorps has. But I think... The people who take part in the Listening Project, they're so proud of the fact that their lives are going into an archive and also that they've chosen what it is that, that they want to talk about. And I think that's incredibly meaningful to the people who've joined the project so far. And you can see a sense of pride that they've been listened to. you know, They've been heard and they will be heard in future generations. I think that's a very, that's a very, very appealing kind of magnetic part of it for us.
1: I agree, uh, talk a little bit about the structure of a listening session, in other words, are you guiding the the listeners and the, and the talkers uh, to some sort of structure like if they have no idea what to talk about, do you have some sort of list like you know these are some ideas or are yes. they walking in cold
3: no sure i mean they no they don 't walk in cold i mean you can uh, you, anyone can sign up to the project, but as soon as you have signed up to the project then one of our extremely talented producers uh, will guide you through a process. So, you know, I've just been uh, writing this script for a program that's going to go out in a couple of weeks' time between two fantastic friends, Matt and Melody, um, who met through a children's hospice because they both have a child who is severely disabled and, in fact, has a life-limiting condition. They did a conversation that was about 45 minutes in length and the producer, Mark Newman, would have talked them through what they hoped to cover in that conversation. So they would have said, okay, we want to talk about our children. We want to talk about how we met at the hospice and why we've become friends. We want to share something that other people don't understand about being a parent to a disabled child. And we also uh, just want to kind of say, say thank you to each other, actually, for being there and for being understanding. So there would be that kind of structure and layout to a conversation. But, of course, in 45 minutes, you know, there are loads of other things that pop into that. And they have a very funny conversation about uh, things that are good to watch on the BBC um, and the fact that Sky uh, shows The Simpsons. Um, and, you know, the conversation veers off into these other little bubbles all of the time. Which is what is completely fine by us. I mean, for some of the conversations where people, you know, they want to talk about something enormous, um, we had one couple, Brian and Valerie. Uh, Brian had a really severe head injury, he had fallen through a ceiling. Uh, when he was on a job as an architect and he had a frontal lobotomy and he had had a very, very difficult time and his wife had had a very difficult time you know, dealing with those kind of consequences. So they went into the project wanting to talk about all of that and the producer absolutely made sure that they both knew that they were going to talk about that. They both knew that they were going to talk about how difficult their marriage had become. They wanted to talk about Brian's drinking, which had been a problem. So the producer makes sure that everybody in the room is going to be aware of the questions and aware of the areas that are covered. But actually... If Brian and Valerie hadn't managed to talk about his drinking because it had been too painful or whatever, then the producer does not force that as an issue. It's still very much up to people how far they want to go with these conversations. But I have to say, actually, Brian and Valerie's in particular uh, was one of those extraordinary conversations where, in fact, being together in a room, just listening to each other, Brian, for the first time ever, said sorry to his wife for all of the things that... His drinking had put her through and she had been waiting for that apology for years. And it was just the magic of the microphone, the fact that they'd taken time out to do it and that they'd thought about what they were going to say to each other that made that possible. Um, And there is an alchemy, I think, in shutting the studio door and having it kind of laid out in front of you, what you're hoping to get from the session that enabled them to do it. And and listening to it, it, I mean, it just brings tears to your eyes every time. It's a very meaningful conversation, that one.
2: We
1: are going to need to take our exquisite conversation for a quick break. And when we return, we're going to carry on the conversation with Fee Glover of listening project to learn more please visit fee or visit the bbc at bbc.co.uk slash radio 4 slash features slash the hyphen listening hyphen project here come the tunes we'll be right back
0: We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypers Cayman. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Cayman, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Lisa
1: Cypers
0: Cayman. Author of Got Happiness Now is also a prestigious TEDx presenter. Her talks, The Mysteries of Fear and the Inversion Theory of Joy, can be found online at TED.com and on the Harvesting Happiness YouTube channel.
2: Be a part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth
3: Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day.
0: Check out the critically acclaimed documentary film, H-Factor, Where Is Your Heart? An insightful visual journey from Lisa Cypress Cayman, showing that every person possesses the means to be happy. Follow Lisa and her 9-year-old daughter, Kayla, as they travel the world on the hunt for the universal keys to human happiness. Their question? What makes you happy? Discover the origins of human happiness, where to find it, create it, and keep it. Find it in our shop at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We are talking about the art and beauty of listening with Fee Glover, who is working on a project called The Listening Project. She is an award-winning broadcaster, writer, and voiceover artist. And this current radio program includes Radio 4's landmark series, The Listening Project, and Generations Apart. Sophie, prior to the break, you were talking about a couple that had come in for a listening session and really got to the heart of the matter of some very difficult events in their lives and the husband apologizing for the first time in many years to his wife and the reaction that she had had. And I think really what this speaks to is this sacred space that is created when we get into this listening mode that the listening project is meant to elicit between people.
3: I think so too, and I think it's where... Do you know what? It's where the radio studio becomes a very special place. So we record our conversations in local radio stations around the country and also in a specially made kind of pimped up caravan, although we don't like to call it a caravan. It's our it's our mobile recording studio, the Listening Project booth. And very occasionally, if needs be, the producer will go to somebody's house. But what we're always trying to do is say this is an opportunity that might be a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity actually to talk on a really different level and to listen on a very different level. So we do a lot of stuff with our participants before they have the conversation where we ask them to really give it some thought. What would they most like the person in front of them to hear? What would they most like the the person they love or care about to really listen to? And then to give exactly that kind of respect and space to that person to do the vice versa and I think it's a very simple concept and everybody grasps it actually um, and <laughs> you know we, we we don't have conversations where people just sit there and kind of go "Oh, I've, you know I've run out of things to say you know why, why don't we you know, uh, pop out and do the shopping we, it just doesn't happen because people totally get what you mean you mean taking it to a different level uh, speaking from the heart and really taking the time to understand what somebody is saying to you and i think especially in families that we adopt a way of talking that is kind of it's like walking around the room avoiding the furniture isn't it you can have these enormous things enormous things in families that everybody learns to avoid because you wouldn't be able to have a highly emotionally charged conversation with everybody every day that's just not how life operates we all need to just have a shorthand Uh, we don't have the time to examine every single emotion that pops up so we learn to kind of do the dance and that's fine that's what gets us through i'm a big fan of that myself you know living in a, a large family and i have i have children you know who are still living at home so, I totally get that. But equally, it's quite good sometimes to just sit down on that piece of furniture, you know, just give it a bit of a squidge and a squash and see how it feels. And so many people have loved being part of the listening project because we have allowed them to do exactly that. We say, this is your opportunity. You know, talk about how you felt when your parents got divorced. Ask your mum, you know, what she meant by doing this, that, and the other. And because it's a very kind kind of place, it's not therapy. There's no solution being offered. It's just an opportunity to chat. I think people really step up to the mark. They totally get what it's about. And, you know, the results have been, you know, just delightful to listen to. And actually, that is the other key thing. You are you want other people to hear your experiences. So you might as well be really honest and you might as well, you know, throw it all out there. And again, I think people have really embraced that kind of spirit. Um, and there's a great generosity in being that honest and saying to people, yes, you can you know, hear me warts and all. Uh, but people have enjoyed that kind of generosity, I think.
1: You say it's not therapy. However, the benefits of this kind of session are most often extremely therapeutic.
3: Yes. And that's a really good distinction, Lisa. And you would know that distinction as a, you know, a, a practicing psychologist. There, there is a big difference, isn't there, between therapy and therapeutic? You know, um, we are offering definitely a therapeutic experience, but what we're not saying to people. Um, is this is a method by which we hope to be able to guarantee some kind of success for you. So we make that very clear to people. And it's not a place that you should come if you want to um, challenge somebody else's decisions that have had a negative effect on your life. And I mention, you know, children and divorce. And I think that's probably just a very good example to use. Ours is not a project where if you've got enormous issues with your parents and how they treated you as a child, you should put one of them in front of you and say, you did X, Y, and Z, you know, I, I'm a damaged person because of it. We don't, that, because we can't be a person in the room who could help you to untangle that. If you've got a little bit further down the line and you want to have a conversation about shared memories and, you know, how, how, everybody's actions have affected family life, then that is probably a conversation you can have. But I hope, I, you know, I, I hope that distinction kind of comes across. It's, it's not a place for anger, actually. It's a place for the emotions that you might have got to after you've got rid of the anger.
1: And I do think most people understand that just by the nature of creating, you're contributing to the creation of a time capsule. And most people would not want to have their, um, air-quoted, dirty laundry, (laughs) you know, uh, recorded for posterity in that way. So I think that that's sort of embedded in what is offered in the experience, although I I understand the need to make that very, very clear.
3: Yes. Oh, no, definitely, definitely. And because... You know, the, not not every conversation uh, will get played out on the radio just, just in terms of sheer numbers. But the conversations, you know, they all stand a very good chance of of being part of the program that we do on Radio 4. You know, and that's got millions of listeners. So, you know, you're right. You, you, you have to be very aware of the fact that millions of people might then hear your story. And, I mean, as yet, we've not had any ghastly conversations you know where people have had to be prized apart (laughs) before the 45 (laughs) minutes is up which is not to say that at some stage we won't but i think you're right i think people totally get the fact and that all of this is going to be witnessed and then it's going to be kept for posterity so you have to be in a place where both people are going to really enjoy the experience i think that's the point
1: we are nearly out of time, but I want to thank you for creating this project because as I see more and more of these kinds of initiatives coming up around the world, it reminds me of the importance of being listened to, being heard, being witnessed and appreciated for just our presence when that in fact truly is gift. To learn more about Fee Glover and the beautiful work that she's doing, please visit feeglover.co.uk or visit bbc.co.uk slash radio four features slash the hyphen listening hyphen project and you can connect directly with Fee Glover at Fee Glover on Twitter. Here are a couple of thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my amazing guest today, Richard Grant and Fee Glover, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And a quick shout out of thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you. Go out and make it a good one and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook. Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.